but today is a good day. My name is Perry Small. This is Midday Madness. And joining us on the live line to talk about his new book is Dr. Michael Eric Dyson. Hi, Dr. Dyson. How are you? Hey, Miss Small. How you doing, my love? Good to talk to you. Have to talk to you for a minute. I mean, you know what? And I, when I see you, Dr. Dyson, and guys, we're on Facebook Live, so make sure you take a look at it. You seem so happy, Dr. Dyson. Is this the happiest time of your life? I mean, it, uh, I'm alive and I'm uh, able to talk to you and talk to people and write my books. So that's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm certainly uh, happy amidst all of the pain and trauma. I'm just li- listening to you talk about the difficulties of people and what they're going through and the hurt and the horror that they're dealing with that's and the right. economic deprivation and, you know, women needing feminine projects, people of course, with of course, shoplifting and stealing would rise because people don't have what they need to have, and so we got to make sure that we can provide for those who don't have, especially during this holiday season. You playing that tremendous temptation song <laughs> from my hometown, Detroit. Yes, you know <laughs> what? You know, I... my second home, but I love I love that music. You but, know, but listen to this, Doctor Dyson. I I can't wait to talk about your book, but I got you on a good news day. And one of the things is that, of course, you know, Donald Trump is flipping his wig because Kamala Harris and uh, Biden have made it as Times People of the Year. Times People of the Year, yeah, I saw that. Do you think they got it wrong because I said, I think George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor should have shared that, that honor? Yeah, no, I'm down with that. I mean, if they were going to give it to a politician, I'm certainly glad they gave it to uh, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. But I'm down with the I'm definitely down with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. Yes. uh, Getting that person of the year award and Breonna Taylor, because it was a significant shift. No doubt. the, The presidential election is huge. Right. And deals with issues that may range beyond uh, the racial unrest and reckoning that we've had to endure. But um, the fact is, is that George Floyd had our earlier experience and still had in his body signs of having endured COVID. So amidst the pandemic, the fact that black people were still having to deal with racial trauma delivered by police brutality is at the heart of this country and culture as well. So they could have as easily chosen Mr. Floyd and Black Lives Matter. I'm down with you on that. So I've, you know, I've I've known you for many years. I've read your books. In for 2020, what, mm-hmm. in your opinion, what was this most significant event of 2020? I don't want to say COVID. Right. I think it's bigger than COVID. For the first time, white people saw. That man, George Floyd, being murdered, right. and that was that shift that you were talking about. How can no, that, how can we not remember that? No, you're so right. I mean, and, and people can argue about why it took white folks so long to wake up. I don't want to get into that argument. We can, we can ana- analyze it. I think the fact that they were at home during the pandemic, which meant that their screens were lit up, And so more of them were paying attention at the same time 
during the same period to their screens seeing the same thing. So George Floyd's um, image was a unifying factor around the awareness digitally of white folk who were like, wait a minute, look at what's going on. Plus, what they saw had removed their excuses. Well, he must have been running away. He must have been shooting. He must have been doing something crazy. They say, uh, no, he's laying on the ground prostrate with the knee of a police person boring into his neck, his already mortally depressed column being further asphyxiated by this man's callous indifference. So white folks saw that and go, ain't no excuse. Plus, he calling out for his mama. Yes. Plus, and plus, they felt more vulnerable because of the pandemic as well. White bodies were feeling vulnerable because they were forced to be in. And they had a kind of empathy for this black body laying out there prostrate on the ground. When you put all that together, they hit the streets. There was a shift, as you said. There was a significant light going off a kind of racial eureka moment that appeared to them, and I think it made a big difference. So I'm with you. I'm saying that that is the signal event in 2020. And there were other things, the death of Kobe at the beginning. Um, you talk about the rise of this, this uh, uh, you know, global pandemic. You speak about a presidential election that was won for the ages. But at the end of the day, I'm with you. The racial unrest, the ongoing racial reckoning harkens back to the beginning of this nation, harkens, harkens back to, to, what, 1619, right. when 20-some-odd slaves were extracted, uh, black people who were enslaved or were taken from their resting place in Africa and brought here to America, and millions more followed after them, uh, losing their lives in the Middle Passage and then coming to America and having their futures sealed for the next couple, 300 years. So... I'm down with you on that one. So how did you respond to Nicole Jones' 1619 Project and the pushback that came from, you know, like Senator Cotton and some of these other uh, rabbit, these rabbit uh, senators around the country? What, what was going on with them? I mean, Nicole Hannah-Jones is a heroine to me. She is a hero. She made 1619 totemic. She made it symbolic. You know, you and I and others in our community had already seized upon 1619. We've been reading Lerone Bennett. Right. We've been, you know, we've been reading about, you know, uh, Ivan Van Sertima. We've been reading about Chancellor Williams. We knew 1619 was deeply integrated into our consciousness, but the broader world didn't. She put that thing in the New York Times, in the most valued, vaunted real estate within American media That's in terms right. of print, in terms of print. And the old gray lady had to fess up that there was something going on that, that says something about this country. And the reason these folk got pissed, the reason they got mad, the reason they responded with such resentment is because she touched the nerve of truth. She said that the founding fathers... When they were in the 13 colonies trying to establish a nation, had race and especially slavery on their minds, and that was part of the deal of them founding a new nation. What's controversial about that? They owned human beings as slaves. They had fought 
to be able to maintain the ability to do so. They founded a new nation because they were tired of being taxed without having representation. And yet at the same time, simultaneously, they were denying us any legitimacy in terms of standing as citizens in this nation, kidnapping us from our homes, committing thievery, committing larceny, and committing the appropriation of our very existence for their purpose. But they all of a sudden were clean slates and had nothing like that on their minds when it came to founding this nation. Come on, get serious. So these right-wing senators, and by the way, liberal white historians Mm -hmm. couldn't take the truth. It's like that scene from A Few Good Men. Truth? You can't handle Handle the truth. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't handle it. So let me, what was going on in Dr. Michael Eric Dyson's, what was going on with Dr. Michael Eric Dyson when he said, I'm going to write this book, Long Time Coming. And Dr. Dyson uh, recently penned Long Time Coming. Uh, It aims to help America reckon with race. So what was going on with you, Dr. Dyson, when you decided to write this book? I know there's always something that um, is, you know, important to you, and that's how you come up with all of these different books. But at what point did you say, let me write this book? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, after that George Floyd business, I was just outdone. And then seeing people hit the streets and then folk mad at people, quote, rioting and, quote, looting, the few people who were doing that, most of them were engaged in serious resistance, uprising, rebellion, trying to say that what's going on in this country is wrong. And I said, I got to put pen to paper metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly fingers to keyboard, Mm -hmm. and start writing. And then 15 hours a day for about four months, I had to really get it in and get down with it and say, I've got to respond to this, reflect on this, talk about it. Ahmaud Arbery Uh being faced down like an animal in Georgia, George Floyd, and then the revelation of Breonna Taylor, and then the revelation of uh, Elijah Mm McClain, and then Richard Brooks, in Atlanta afterward, and then Jacob Blake in Kenosha, it just reinforced my desire to write a book, a series of letters. And this book, Long Time Coming, Reckoning with Race in America, is a series of letters written to black martyrs. They didn't intend to be martyrs. They didn't intend to live their lives. They didn't intend to live their lives in uh, sacrifice for uh, a greater good. But because they were killed, because they were murdered, because their lives were snatched from them, we who are left see the value of their deaths in the larger project of black freedom. So I wanted to honor them by writing letters to them, mm-hmm. not simply writing essays about them. I think that is brilliant. I, I think that is brilliant you. because, um, you know, uh nehisi Colts, you know, he is a prolific writer in the United States and, you know, letters to his son and that sort of thing. For some reason, I'm old school, too. And letters mean everything. You know, I, I, when somebody pens a letter to you, that means that they care, that they're going to actually sit down and longhand. They, there's something that they have to say and that they want to say. I've got a bank full of calls, Dr. Dyson. Um, I hope you can stay with us uh, longer. You know how people feel about you. They're calling from all over the country. Uh, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, we're going to also 
tell you how you can uh, purchase the book. He is a Georgetown University sociology professor, a New York Times contributing uh, opinion writer, and a contributing editor of The New Republic and of ESPN's The Undefeated website, uh, which is one of my favorite websites now. Uh, They have some great content on Undefeated, so I read them all the time. Um, So when we come back, we've got a lot to talk about. Michael Eric Dyson says Joe Biden paid the debt owed to black Americans by picking a black man for Secretary of Defense, and that's why I'm confused by people like Tammy Duckworth and all of these other individuals who now think that this black man hasn't been a civilian long enough, but you put Mattis, you know, you voted for Mattis to be um, Secretary of Defense. I, I don't understand this. Listen, I don't trust any of these Democrats. I don't trust any of these Republicans. We all have to depend on ourselves. And I just want to say this, too. Thank God that Joe Biden is doing what he's doing. I thought that he could do a little better. There are a whole lot of people out there, black people, that would be um, proficient in any of these cabinet positions. I'm still a little worried about all of these people who are residuals from the Obama administration, but I'd like to hear what you think about that, Dr. Dyson. And and I'm just happy as a pig, and you know what? Uh, I'm talking to Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Georgetown University sociology professor, a New York Times contributing opinion writer and contributing editor to the New Republic and ESPN's The Undefeated website. So did you know, Dr. Dyson, that this Christmas, this is its 50th anniversary? Man, I'm sitting up here listening to that song, Donnie Hathaway, (laughs) and it is just, I mean, moving me so much. St. Louis, Chicago, he's a prodigy as a gospel singer, and then three years old singing, and then there in the shy, went to, you know, Howard University and hooked up with another prodigy, uh, Roberta Flack. And this this genius of a man, this extraordinary song. I mean, every time I hear that song, it makes me think Christmas. But, you know, I forgot to tell you something. I am now a professor, a distinguished university professor of African-American studies and diaspora studies and then professor of ethics and society at the Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt University. That's right. So I just moved over there. I forgot to tell you, I'm in Tennessee now. Oh, my God. Do you, and don't you love it there? Do you love it? Oh, my God. I'm moving there soon, but I visited. Look, I lived in Tennessee from 79 to 85. But that Nashville, what they call it, Cashville. Man. They call it Cash Vegas. I mean, Nash Vegas. But it is an amazing city with great people. And I'm looking forward to teaching at uh at Vanderbilt, so y'all come on down and uh, yeah, send your kids down there with Dr. Dyson. And y- y- this is the funny part: the Chicago Sun Times has done an animated video of Donnie Hathaway walking through the streets of Chicago and going past some of the storefronts that you might be acquainted with, like Garrett's Popcorn. Uh, uh, of course, uh, Harold's Chicken and some of the other popular storefronts. It is a great video if you get a chance to have a look at it. I've got a bank Man. full of... <laughs> I'm going to check that. Hang on. <laughs> so 
I'm gonna get to know you better, man. This Christmas, it is ten forty. <laughs> as we trim the tree, how much fun it's gonna be together. Oh, you sorry, got y'all. some chops. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just had to. I had to break off Johnny right there. I know some of y'all listening to Chris Brown do it. I ain't. Oh my God, that part. is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Oh, my God. I was just talking about it earlier this week. I'm like, what did he do to that song? Well, Donnie is Donnie. I mean, you know, Chris Brown is a genius in his own right. But Donnie Hathaway? Oh, God. Man. Some songs need... a voice dipped in golden sun rays. Yeah, well, some songs need to be left alone. And that's one of them. I hear you. So, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson has recently penned Long Time Coming. And it aims to help black... Help America reckon... With race. And I have a caller named Pam, and I give her credit for this all the time. It's not black people that have a problem with race, she says. It's a white people problem. Race is a white people part, uh, mm-hmm. a problem. What do you think about that? No, she's right. I mean, we, we think just fine about it. We love each other. We embrace each other. We embrace the current cultures around us. We ain't trying to hate on nobody. I'm talking about collectively speaking. All, of course, we got individuals who do. But as a culture, we are open-minded, we are loving, we are affirming, and racism is the creation of a society, a world, a perspective that fundamentally is opposed to our humanity. Mm. In this case, especially black people, but you could be talking about Latinx people, because they talk about Jewish people with anti-Semitism, anti-Arabism when it comes to Arab brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it ain't our problem. We ain't invented it. We ain't trying to perpetuate it. It's the dominant society. But they always ask, why are you people so obsessed with race? Because you people are so obsessed with racism and refusing to acknowledge the legitimacy and beauty of our humanity. And when we be trying to forget and move on, you keep reminding us what you think about it. So yeah, I'm, you I'm put another foot on your, you put, an, uh, put a knee in our neck. To put a knee in our neck, put a gun to our back, put a taser on our body, put a baton to our head. You keep a, a gun to our back. You keep on shooting, beating, tasing, and kneeing us to death. And we continue to rise up and say we will not accept this as the status quo. We refuse to accept this as the expression of a civilized society. Let's go to Don from Colorado. Hi, Don. How are you today? You're on with Dr. Dyson. I'm good. Good morning to both you guys. Um, I just had a quick uh, suggestion. There's just two names or entities I wanted to throw out in terms of consideration for person of the year. And I I don't know if anyone brought these up yet, but one would be Stacey Abrams. Mm -hmm. What she did in Georgia, literally... I mean, she flipped Georgia. You could say that, that she was a part of flipping that's Georgia. That's true. Um, I right. think that's commendable. The other entity, if you will, I would suggest would be the NBA. First, for the example that they set sort of in, you know, how to quarantine uh, in terms of still being able to do their jobs. Um, the voter initiatives that they had while they were playing in the bubble, that was a constant, constant theme. Um, and I think it made a difference. So those are just my two suggestions. I'd love to hear what you guys think. Well, you know, that's interesting, and I would be um, I would be really interested, Dr. Dyson, in what you thought about, because, you know, for so long, you know, with the Michael Jordans and the Scottie Pippins, I have nothing for them. I, I know it was yeah, their yeah. times, uh, different times. But the fact that you have brothers like uh, LeBron James, who's able to galvanize the entire NBA 
to think a little bit like he does and, and tells people you have an obligation to speak up for your people. What did that mean this year to um, sports and to the world of sports and, of course, their part in this social justice initiative? No, it's a great point. The caller makes a great point. In fact, one of your listeners now I know is attorney Corey Miner-Smith, author of the book Hashtag Driven. You should have her on your show. I'm going to hook you all up. Okay. Uh, attorney uh, in Canton, Ohio. She used to work with the LeBron James Foundation, speaking of LeBron. So her book is Hashtag Driven, a tremendous story. I'll connect you all. But, look, I dedicate my book to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. My book, uh, Long Time Coming, is, is dedicated to him because he has been sacrificial in an extraordinary fashion. But let me tell you something, because we always overlooking the black women. Ain't nobody fooling with the WNBA when it comes That's right. to social justice initiatives. They have been way ahead of the curve. They have been above the the timberline, as uh, Howard Thurman, the great black mystic, used to say, rising high. And what the men are doing is extraordinary. What the women did is even more extraordinary because they don't get the same love. They don't make the same kind of money. But they are more revolutionary. They are more radical. So if I were going to give it to anybody uh, in playing basketball, I'd have to give it to the WNBA. They came into their stadiums wearing bullet holes where where um, Jacob Blake had been shot. That's right. That. They also, the, the team in Georgia, went against their own owner, or at least the partner who owns that team, Kelly Leffler, uh-huh. who is, who's a robot like a uh, Republican running for the Senate against the Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock. And right. let's all vote for him. Give him some money. And if you in Georgia, vote for him. But if not, send him some dough. And they said, we want you to support our owner's opponent. That's how cold they are. That's how great they are. And, of course, Stacey Abrams is right there. So maybe we should give it to the black woman voter. That's who we should give it to. Hmm. Black women changed this election. We know that Jim Clyburn flipped it in uh, South Carolina when he supported uh, the great uh, Joe Biden. And he saved his He saved his presidential election. Uh, But more than that, I think black women have saved this election. They voted in record numbers for the Democrats. They saved local elections, and they certainly saved Georgia in terms of voting for Joe Biden. So I think we should give it uh, the, the person of the year is the black female voter. Wow. We're talking to Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, and he is on his way uh, to Vanderbilt University. And I'm going to tell you, I was there last year. Beautiful campus. Beautiful. I mean, it it is amazing. And when I was there, I was staying in the Midtown area. I had such a wonderful time. It is a peaceful place. And being that close to McHarry College and all of that, it it was transformational for me. I, I just enjoyed it. So much, and I'm not a big South person, but Nashville, that is on the rise. And they said that this is one of uh, the places in the United States where about, let's see, they said about 200 people move there every day. And yeah, I can, yeah, I can see why. I hope you find a really nice place, Dr. Dyson. Uh, before we go on with our callers, tell our listeners how they can get your book, Long Time Coming. 
Well, look, you can go to your local black bookstore wherever <laughs> you are in America. And if you, you know, can't you can order them online, like Uncle Bobby's, go online and find out Uncle Bobby's in Philadelphia, Mahogany Books in uh, Washington, D.C. I know there's some places. It used to be my, my girl there in uh, Chicago, but whatever. I, I can't remember now whoever's left there. But I always recommend black bookstores first. Then if you can't find it there, go on to Barnes & Noble or, you know, go online to Amazon and uh, order the book. But whatever you do, check it out. I tried to write it in an accessible fashion mm-hmm. that is compelling and poetic and lucid. So I hope you all dig it. Let me know how you like it. And then you can hit me on, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook at Michael Eric Dyson or on Twitter at Michael E. Dyson. So and, check me out. Holla at your boy. And and listen, uh, Dr. Dyson, they said African-American bookstores are doing better than ever. Come on now. They I mean, said, and I'm glad to hear that. If you want to have a racial reckoning, support black books where black people are selling a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm glad to hear that. Keep on buying. Yeah, they're doing great. Let's go to Michael B. Hi, Michael. Hey, good morning, Perry. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Hey, what's happening, Brother Dyson? What's happening, my man? Okay, right. I'm trying to put this in order. First and foremost, I got I got something against the Democratic Party, and I got something against the Republican Party. But I what's going on? But what's going on right now with what the Republican states attorneys are doing as far as trying to totally overturn the election? Now, I value your opinion a lot, and all I really want is to hear your opinion on what's going on and how you feel about these cats trying to totally overturn the election because of, it sounds very racial, but I just want to know your opinion and what you think, sir. That's a good question. Go ahead, Dr. Dyson. Yeah, led by Daniel Cameron. (laughs) <laughs> was formerly on the staff of Mitch McConnell uh-huh. and was now the attorney general uh, there in Louisville in Kentucky. So these state's attorneys who are doing this are horrible. They are, they are unconscionable. They are trying to really reset the parameters of American democracy, undercut fair voting. They up here talking about every legal vote, uh, vote should be counted, every legal ballot. Then when they couldn't win that, when the Supreme Court, the very Supreme Court that Donald Trump stacked with three justices, turned him down, now these attorneys general are trying to undercut democracy by reversing the vote that occurred. When Donald Trump won 306 electoral college votes, he called it a landslide. And he lost the public, the, the, um, popular, the popular vote. vote of Hillary Clinton by 2.9 million. Right. Now he done lost it uh, by 7 million. Right. So you lost in the popular vote by 7 million, and you lost uh, by a landslide, as you call it, in the Electoral College. And you got these ridiculous attorneys general in these states. You know what they ought to be doing? Trying to provide opportunity to challenge qu- uh, qualified immunity, mm-hmm. where police people are not held to account when they kill a black person like they did uh, the young black man in uh, Columbus, Ohio, about three days ago. Mr. Goodson. Trying to get into his grandmama's house. You know, his grandmama uh, sees him 72 years old and his five-year-old, I think, uh, brother or nephew. It was a brother, yeah. 
and then shot right before him as he as he goes into the house. Had a uh, concealed weapon uh, permit and going into his own darn house. That's what these attorneys general need to be focusing on, not trying to reverse the will of the people, but this is the soft uh, fascism and the kind of shadow uh, government and administration that Donald Trump is trying to establish, and these people going along with it is ridiculous. I don't want to ever hear these Republicans, these right-wingers, or these centrist Republicans, although they are very rare these days, try to tell us that they are real citizens, that they are real loyalists, that they are patriots. Mad at, um, you know, my man bending down on his knee, Colin Kaepernick, uh, and I'm glad Ben and Jerry's has hooked up with him. That's right. Real, real patriots. But here they are trying to call him unpatriotic and anti-patriotic, and they're trying to reverse the the law by trying to reverse the voting that these people did. I think it's unconscionable. I think it's ridiculous. But they ain't going to win, and we've got to continue to turn out at the polls and also organize locally to make sure that we understand that we the people means we the, means we the people, not these governors. I mean, not these states people of, who yeah. are states attorneys general trying to reverse the, uh, the the vote. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Well, Dr. Dyson, I can't tell you how I've enjoyed you, uh, how much I've enjoyed you. Uh, today. The fact that you can keep churning out these books and they're more and more um, apropos every time is just amazing. I hope you continue with your um, your stellar academic career. My best to you and your family during Thank these you, holidays. And, you know, WVON will always love you. Thank you, love. I love you, too. You keep doing a brilliant job. One of the greatest hosts out here, inquisitive, curious, a depth of analysis, a breadth of uh, insight. So we love you. Keep doing your thing. And if I don't talk to you, happy holidays. Okay, same to you.